business. Thanks for coming out tonight. I wrote me a manual, a step-by-step booklet for you to get. Now I make money moves. What up, what up, what up, guys? Welcome back to the Fitness Times Business Podcast, the show created to provide you with the practical and strategic advice to help you level up in fitness, business, your career, your relationships, and your life. My name is Joseph Mansell. I am your host, back with another installment of Your Four, featuring the man (laughs) himself, Caleb. Hey, mate. How you doing? Caleb, I'm doing exceptional, man. How are you doing? Yeah, doing very well. Thank you, man. You, we haven't yeah. seen an episode of Your Four for way too long. Yeah, it's been a while, mate. The listeners, the viewers, the subscribers have been missing your um, um, sultry tones ooh, ooh. And, your, <laughs> and your wisdom. So I'm excited to have you back, man. We must have a um, backlog of questions building at the moment. Yeah, we do, man. Yeah. Um, but definitely uh, and recommend that the people still keep sending those questions through, man. Yeah. Because I, I just, you know, the questions are good and I just love the questions you guys are bringing in and I just want more. Yeah. <laughs> and where, where can the listeners send their questions if they can? Uh, so just send them through to my Instagram at caleb.feget, yep. C-A-L-E-B dot F-I-E-G-E-R-T. And you can also send them through to Joseph through his Instagram as well, but he just sends them to me. So, so take screenshots, send them straight to Caleb. <laughs> just go the efficient route. Uh, Caleb, we have, uh, because you have such a, such a backlog of questions, you can really pick out like the best of the best now. Yep. Uh, yeah. And we have four really good questions for this episode. A couple that really made me take some deep dives internally, uh, which is always, always a good thing. And it means that we're really kind of, you know, uh, making sure we provide some exceptional value um, for the listeners and the viewers. So you guys are in for an absolute treat in this episode. Before we get stuck into the four questions, one final reminder about the MJ Fitness Challenge. I'm not going to go through all the details because you guys know, I've mentioned it in the last (laughs) three episodes of the podcast. Uh, But I just want to remind you guys that registration closes this Sunday, August 14 at midnight. You can't register late. Yeah. You have to get your registrations in. And you know, Caleb, you've been involved with the MJ oh, Challenge yeah. before, right? <laughs> there's so much work that goes in on our oh, end. There's and, a we, and because it's such a, it, it, there's so much time pressure in that week from registration closing and the challenge opening, we cannot accept late registration. So guys, if you're keen and you should all be keen for all of the reasons that I've mentioned in previous episodes of this podcast, none more important than the fact that it is everything you need to improve your body and importantly, improve your life over the 10 weeks of the MJ Fitness Challenge. So I want as many of you to join us as possible. We already have hundreds of challenges in season eight, which is awesome. But I want every single one of you to at least go have a look at the website. Go take a deep dive, mjfitnesschallenge.com.au. See if it's something that you're interested in doing. And if you are interested in doing, make sure you get your registration in before midnight, Sunday, August 14. Your four. Let's begin. Question one. I have high expectations of my team and work colleagues as I ask a lot of myself and expect the same from them. However, I'm often frustrated by those around me when they don't seem to be delivering and fall short of my expectations. Am I wrong to expect the same level of work ethic from my team? And how would you deal with this frustration? This is a question that really hits at the heart of servant leadership. You would agree? Yeah. 
Yeah, 100%. Immediately when I see this question, I'm like, okay, this, you know, we we need to really kind of dig deep into servant leadership here. There's a couple of things going on here. Obviously, this is being asked by, by some sort of leader, right? Maybe it's a business owner, a company owner, but definitely some sort of manager who has a team of people working underneath him or her. There's a couple of things that I would do in this situation if I was feeling this sort of frustration. The first one, and really the most important that would kind of alleviate the frustration in the first place is communicate with your team, right? What are the expectations? What are the standards? If your team doesn't know what the standards, what the bare minimums are in terms of the standards that have to be met, and then what the expectations are in terms of like the stretch performance goals that we're trying to get to, how are they ever supposed to get there? Yeah, that's pretty that's, much. That's, there's, there's nothing there. They're not going to know. It's They're the just first, not going to know, but, man. But, and I think that that's probably what's causing this person the frustration is it's like I've got these standards and I've got these expectations and they're not being met and I'm frustrated because they're not being met. But if you haven't communicated them in the first place, oh, mate. <laughs> how, how is your team ever supposed yeah. to know what no. your expectation is? So I think that that's the first and most important step because that immediately, that completely wipes out the frustration, right? The second part then is once you've communicated the base standards, right, which have to, no exceptions, those got to be done. And then the expectations, which is kind of the stretch. This is what we're heading towards. And your team is falling short. Then it comes down to servant leadership. It comes down to what can I do as your leader to provide you with the skills, with the resources, with the training, with whatever it is you need to meet these standards and then to strive for these expectations. So you have to flip it around and not get not get frustrated with your team. If you're going to get frustrated with anyone, get frustrated yourself, right? Because it's your, you, you, as the leader, you know, I've said this in many different episodes of your four, many different episodes of the podcast, your team doesn't work for you. You work for them. So it's up to you to provide them with what they need to meet the standards and then strive for the expectations. And I'm very similar minded with that, man. I think like, you know, you work for your team and at some points you work with your team. I like look at the team as a body, you know what I mean? So that means like the hand can't say to the foot that I need you more than I, you know, I needed there yeah. and then so forth. And so when I look at that, you're the same. If you're the head of that body, man, you still need everyone in your team. So it's like, I guess when I look at this kind of question, like if those communications have been, you know, those measurements have been put in place and that's been communicated, it's kind of next, are like you playing people to their strengths and you're identifying their strengths and weaknesses? I, and again, it comes down to communication. Like, are you talking to them about the strengths? So what, have you identified the strengths and your weaknesses in the team? And then do you go, and actually talk to them about them and ask them, you know, come and ask them and be vulnerable and open with them and say, how can I help you? Mm. You know? I think it, this kind of also leads into a little bit of company culture as well, right? And, and I could be making assumptions here, but it is something that I want to address because I know that a lot of listeners, um, you know, are business people in their own right. And, and if they're not in management positions, perhaps they own and run their own companies. And a lot of these you know, what are the standards? What are the expectations? What are we striving for? Is woven into the fabric of company culture. And if you have a shit company culture, or let's not say shit, let's say that you haven't done any conscious work on your company culture and you've just allowed it to kind of organically become what it's become. And then you get to a point 
along your business journey, and I've been here, so I speak from experience, where you're like, "Eh, you know what? I'm not real happy with what the standards that are being met are. We need to raise them, right? And, and, And I'm not real happy with the expectations that we're striving for. I think we can do better. This now comes down to, all right, I need to start putting in some conscious work into the culture of my company so that I can build a high-performance company culture that involves raising these minimum standards, that involves raising these stretch expectations. But it begins with what, what do we stand for as a company, right? What do we collectively expect as the bare minimum? And if it's not where we all want it to be, how do we all collectively take a step forward? How do we all collectively go, you know what? Rolling into work 10 minutes late when you feel like it willy-nilly has served us up until this point. But if we're trying to get to the next level, it's not going to serve us anymore. So Caleb, do you want to get to the next level? Uh, Belinda, do you want to get to the next level? Tom, do you want to get to the next level? All you guys, do you want to get to the next level? Yeah, of course we do. That's what we're here. That's That's what we're doing. Well, we need to raise our standards as a company. So I think that, you know, the, the next step after the communication, the servant leadership is then a little bit of more broad stroke, really kind of investing the time and the effort and the energy in your company culture and taking that to the next level as well. Yeah. And I think when, you know, you ask yourself, you know, it sounds like this, this, this person here is, um, they're for their team. Yeah. They're just getting frustrated. And so it might just be a matter of just kind of changing that perspective and asking the simple question, why am I being frustrated? And what am I actually doing about it? And have I actually done something about it that, you know, I have even a right to be frustrated? Like you said, if there's been no communication and they don't even know what they're supposed to be doing, then we really don't have a right to be frustrated in that. Um, And so, yeah, just kind of turning on the perspective and just kind of thinking about, you know, how can I illustrate to my team that I'm for them? and not against them. Because if you are getting frustrated, and I can speak from (laughs) being an employee, like um, someone who's under a boss or something, you know your boss is frustrated with you. And now all of a sudden, you've just got both this frustration energy and now now nobody wants to work for anybody. So it's just being able to turn that back on the head, being honest with yourself and saying, okay, what can I do here? Because at the end of the day, like when the change does have to happen, it might not have to be the change that has to happen in the employees. It needs, might have to change in the one that's actually leading them. Communication is so important, man. It's one of the most underrated elements of leadership, right? Is being able to have the uncomfortable conversations, being able to have the difficult conversations, being able to have the open, honest, and vulnerable conversations. So many issues with leadership and culture could be solved if people could just sit down and have the balls to have a conversation. And of course, to have those conversations as well, you know, you might have to have that time away where you kind of let that anger, that frustration just go. So yeah, you can come in yeah. and just deliver that message with, with gentleness, with, with humility, and with a level of compassion and understanding. Next question. Next question. All right. Oh, I like this one, man. <laughs> This is something that you've been talking about a lot recently. And I agree with this, but I'm curious. Do you believe that the way you do one thing is the way you do everything? Or does this just apply for like 99% of people? So for example, if someone smashes their training goals, business goals, et cetera, but doesn't care to make their bed or to do their dishes regularly, do you believe that the way you do one thing is the way you do everything still applies to this person and why? 
This is a really great question. And this is a very well thought out question. So I just want to, whoever asked this question, I initially just want to say thank you um, because I can see that you've, you've really kind of dug deep and, and, and given this some real conscious thought. I don't make my bed in the morning. Ooh. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> Shock horror. I don't. Okay. And, I'm, and I just wanted to use that because, as, as, yeah. because it's been pointed out in the question, right? But at the same on the, uh, at the same time, I'm a big advocate for the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. For me, making my bed in the morning is not important to me, right? I actually prefer to get into a bed that's not made if we're going to be completely honest. All right, right? Okay, I don't like okay. a crispy tucked in bed to me. It feels like I'm being suffocated. But that, that, that thing aside, what really is at the heart of how deep down this rabbit hole of the way you do one thing is the way you do everything you want to go. What really it comes down to is firstly, prioritization. Secondly, keeping the promises that you make to yourself. And thirdly, doing what needs to be done when you don't feel like doing it, right? And that is, you know, it's very easy to kind of get a little bit sidetracked and go, oh, well, you know what? If that person doesn't make their bed every morning, the way they do one thing is the way they do everything and they're bound to be a loser, right? Or, you know, because that person um, doesn't do uh, the dishes after every meal and, you know, that therefore is a sign that the way they do one thing is the way they do everything and because they can't do their dishes, they're going to be a loser, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's very it's extreme, it's, yeah. but it's very easy to kind of fall into that. Yeah. And then get kind of caught in, oh, fuck, all right, I better make my bed every morning. Oh, shit, I better do this every day. I got to do this every day. I got to do it. And you just become distracted with all of the minor little details that you actually don't give yourself the opportunity to focus on the big, important details. Right. So you have to understand that nuance between the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. Provided that we're dealing with things that are important to you and sit high in your list of priorities, and we're dealing with promises that you make to yourself. If I made a promise to myself that every morning I'm going to make my bed and I didn't do it, well, then that's a big fucking problem, right? I do make promises to myself about the way I start my day. I start my day with the same 10-step morning routine every day, and that's a promise that I keep to myself, and that involves journaling. That involves cold shower in the morning. That involves all of the 10 steps of my morning routine, right? And if I don't do those because they are important to me, because I have made that promise to myself that I am going to do them every morning because they're important to me. And even the mornings that I don't feel like doing it. Caleb, this morning, I didn't sleep well last night. I had a late night last night. I woke up this morning. I was tired as shit. And the last thing I felt like doing was doing my 10-step morning routine. You know what I did? You did it. I did my 10-step morning routine. <laughs> of course. Because it's high priority. It's the promise I made to myself that I'm going to keep. And I know that when I don't feel like doing it is when it's most important that I do it. So I think that those three things are more important and deserve more attention than all of the little bits and pieces that you can kind of apply this. The way you do one thing is the way you do everything to and kind of get a little bit caught up in all the minor details. It's good. That's good. It's going to be interesting because I did some deep diving and 
I agree. And at the same time, I'm like, but I reflect on my life a little bit and think about the way you do one thing is the way you do everything and seen some interesting things about the very small things that sometimes we do tend to neglect. Yes. Um, I'm, I want you to challenge me on this. Yeah, look, all right. I bring it. Let's go. <laughs> uh, so like… From what I see, this person's like 99%. There's this elite 1% out there that apparently, you know, they're smashing everything, all their goals. And you know what you mentioned, important to you because that's what it is. Um, but for how long is the question that I began to ask myself. All right, they on, on you know, because you see it on social media, people smashing their goals, great physiques, looking awesome. And, you know, that's the 1% that I feel like this person's talking about. Um, but what, what happens if they're not warming up before their workouts? You know, how long until they continuously neglect something like that, that, you know, it might be important, but what's more important to them, how long until there might be some consequences to those actions? Because I began to sort of identify that going on in my life. I was like, oh, what I started asking myself the question was, is what would be the consequences if I neglected to do this? Now, it was tough pill for me to swallow. Because I was all like, have you ever thought, you know, if, if you don't do your dishes right, you're like, oh, uh, it could get pretty bad. It could really keep piling up if I just choose not to do this. And you're like, oh, but she'll be right. But then before you know it, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. And before you know it, you've got a mountain pile of dishes. And what started as something so tiny and so small has now become something so big. And you know what? You might have had so many awesome things to prioritize that day. And that's why I love that example that you used in the previous podcast where you spoke about that cup. And you're like, no, I'm going to wash that because the way I do one thing is the way you do everything. And you know, the important thing was you had to get to work. You know, that's a high, that's a high priority in life, but you identified that. Um, I think that was an important thing for me. That was what I would probably challenge it a little bit. Because the reality is, is sometimes we love to just focus on the big and important things that mean so much to us. But sometimes we turn our back on just those small little tiny things. And those small little tiny things, if we can turn around, we can go, whoa, what happened there? Something, it's gone, it's gone, it's been destroyed. And actually what we've been creating, this huge massive thing, I think of like a garden, man. I don't know why that's kind of like the analogy that I want to use, but like a garden. You're in this garden, you've created these small little plants, they're going all good. You're like, yeah, that's awesome, that's great. Now I'm going to work on this big thing. And you keep working on that big thing. And you're like, yeah, this is looking awesome. And you turn around and these little foxes have come into your garden and they've destroyed all those small things. And then you come back to your big thing and the big thing comes crashing down. And now all of a sudden, you're left with nothing. And then you realize that you actually treasured those little things more than the big things. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that this probably really kind of goes to the heart of the, I don't want to use the word balance because I, I, I think that balance can often be used as, as a cop out uh, <laughs> more often than, than it should be. But there is, there is, there is kind of a give and take here, right? Is like, you do need to prioritize because there are big things that you want to be focused on that you want to make sure that you've got the time, the energy and the effort to invest in. But at the same time, if you let all of the little things slide for too long, and I think that's the big distinction here, right? Is like you can let, you know, you can let the dishes kind of, you know, pile up for a day or two. But if you let them pile up for a week, you got big fucking problems, right? So it's almost like, almost like in the short term, I'm going to focus on the, the, 
the list of priorities and make sure that I'm investing the time and the effort and the energy and the things that are most important to me. But at the same time, I can't completely turn my back on, you know, the, the less important things that don't sit high in my priority list. At some point, those are going to work their way up the priority list and I need to go and devote the time, the effort and the energy in those as well. So, I don't know. Think of a different word for balance and let's use that. Well, I think like the 1% is right. The way I kind of look at it is you got these little one percenters and they're so important. They're so vital that they actually hold up the bigger things in a later picture. And so it's like, if you want the bigger things to thrive and look amazing, it's actually coming from the one percenters that actually present that. So I think that that's something which is cool. Well, and, and just on that as well, Caleb, you know, the, the episode of this podcast that I did that was called The Way You Do One Thing Is The Way You Do Everything, right? Is I really focused there on the promises that you make to yourself that are really small, right? And making sure that you keep those. Because if you start to slide on those, right, then that kind of filters into the medium-sized promises and then the big promises, making sure you do things when you don't feel like doing them, even if they're tiny, like my, like my 10-step morning routine. It's not a big fucking deal. It takes me 10, 15 minutes to do. It doesn't take, I can literally do it there in bed while I'm half asleep, right? It's one of those little things. But I know the first time I go, ah, I'm too tired and I don't feel like doing it. Well, then the next time it becomes easier. And then the next time it becomes easier. And then a week goes past and I haven't done my morning routine for a whole week. And then two weeks goes past. And then four weeks goes past. And before I know it, I'm not doing it at all. Complete backslide, yeah. Right? So, yeah, I think, yeah, there's, there's this kind of yin and yang that needs to I happen. I want to throw in a positive one because we've talked yeah. about consequences, but I want to yeah. throw in a positive one that I, I guess I identified as well in my life just recently. Yeah. And it's a great fitness example. You know, I've been back in, being back in the gym, really focused with the goal and progressive overload. So when I'm getting here, I'm like, all right, this week, I'm going to hit two more reps than what I did the week before. I know it's going to be hard. I know it's going to be a challenge. You get to that last rep, right? And the weight's coming down. And then it doesn't feel like it's coming back up. But you were pushing through. And I remember I was like pushing through. Maybe it was like five, six seconds just trying to get that last rep in. And it was killing me. And I'm just like, no, I've got this. I've got this. And it didn't feel like I've got this. But then I got to the top finally and finally finished and pushed through and made it. And I thought, awesome. Now you can use that kind of mentality in any area of your life. And so when life comes to you, because we get challenges in life, man, and, and it feels like the whole world is crashing down on you, you've got that mindset, you've got that grit, that ability to push through, and you're going to push through, you know it's going to hurt. You don't know what that pain's going to feel like. You don't know how long it's going to go, but you just know that you're set and you're focused on finishing and you're going to push through and you're going to break through. This is, uh, you're not going to believe this. Um, this is this is, uh, this is hand on my heart. This is the absolute truth. This is quantum physics at fucking play. This morning in the gym, I was <laughs> no. I'm not even shitting you, Caleb. This actually happened this All morning, right, and yeah. I'll show you. I'll, I'll get. I'll grab my phone. And I'll show you. This morning in the gym, I was. Um, I trained chest and back, and I was doing um, incline dumbbell press, and I got to the last rep of the last set. Three sets of ten. I was on the tenth rep of the third set. And I got to that point. Wow, okay. No, I'm, this, is, uh, this is facts, man. Tenth, tenth. I got to that point, right, where I got the rep maybe a quarter up 
And it was, oh, fuck, all right, we're going to have to grind through this. And it literally took me five or six seconds to get the rep. I even had, I saw in the mirror that uh, above the dumbbell rack, I, a fellow gym member behind me he rushed to come and spot me because <laughs> he, thought I, he <laughs> thought I lost it. But I got the rep. And immediately after that, I started thinking exactly what you were talking about and actually started writing a journal note in my phone oh, about Oh, wow. It. There you go. And the journal note was, was literally exactly what you were just saying. It was like, when you get to that final rep of the final working set of the exercise and it feels like the weight weighs a million pounds and there's, there's you know, it's really hard and you've got to grind. What does your inner talk say? Because there's two options, right? The inner talk is what you just explained, where it's like, I'm going to make these weights my bitch. I'm going to grind for as long. I, I don't care if I die on the bench. This weight is coming up. Or you have the other side of inner talk, which is like, oh shit, this weight feels really heavy. I don't know if I can get this up. <clears throat> I've done 29 of 30 reps. I've done three working sets. That's probably enough. Weight goes down on the floor. Those of us who can maintain the former where it's, I'm going to make this weight my bitch. I will die on this bench press. I don't care what it takes. This weight is going up. We can take that and harness that and apply that to any other area of our life. When shit gets hard, when shit gets difficult, when shit comes at us that we just don't expect, if we can harness that and say, don't care. I'm making it through this we will achieve incredible success in our fitness, business, career, relationships, and life. If we adopt the latter, where it's things are difficult, things get tough, I'm not sure I can do this, I've made it this far, this is good enough, this is where I'm going to stop, how do you think that plays out in all other areas of life when things get difficult? Turn our back, go the other way. So it's incredible that you brought that Dude, up. Dude, it's crazy I because literally was doing that. I'll show you after we get off, all right, off camera. All right. I'm not even kidding. I mean, I'm not even kidding. That was literally the same with me. Yeah. 10th rep, third set. Oh, bullshit. <laughs> no. There you go. <laughs> We're connected somehow, man. Oh, man. All right. Next question. All right. <clears throat> if fitness was taken away from you, what would you focus on the most? This is, um, this is a, a, another really interesting question. I think the first thing I want to say is, I think whoever asked this question probably assumes that like fitness is my main focus. Um, <laughs> it's definitely not. Uh, fitness is one of many things that I have going on in my life. Um, that is a priority to me, absolutely. But it's not like it's my overarching main focus. And if I lost it, I'd be completely lost because I wouldn't know what else to focus on. Right? I, I invest, if not more, the same amount of energy in my business, in my career, in my personal relationships, in my family relationships, in my finances, in uh, my staff members, in uh, all different areas of my life. Um, and it is very well kind of equalized across, across everything that I'm trying to do. It has to be, right? Because I'm trying to achieve different things in different areas of my life. So I just want to kind of point that out in the first instance. And then that probably kind of answers the question in its own right. If fitness was completely taken away, I would just take the energy that was devoted to that and spread it across everything else that I'm focused on 
achieving things. That's pretty much the same yeah, answer right? I've got, man. Yeah. But all right, they said fitness, but it's like, I feel like personally, you could never take fitness away. You know, well, that, and that's the other thing, right? Is I don't even know where this question is coming from. What, what are we, are we talking about here? Being, Body, like, what about bodybuilding? Let's say, yeah. you know, you've competed recently. Yep. Um, let's just hypothetically say that's it. You're not mm. competing anymore. Mm. What would you focus on? Uh, fitness would still be a huge part yep. of my yep. life. It yep. just wouldn't be focused on the aesthetic goals that bodybuilding pertains to you know i might go and focus on um i don't know mobility goals or functionality goals or i don't know what it would be but it would just be a it, would, it wouldn't be a change in focus it'd just be a pivot yeah it'd just be a pivot i don't really know Caleb, how fitness unless unless you are involved in a terrible accident and you become a quadriplegic yes yeah right like mm. you know mm. extreme case but Really, it would have to get to that point where fitness is taken away from you. Right? I mean, even when you talk about being what I don't know, quadriplegic or people that have been in wheelchairs, there's still some that do bodybuilding shows, man. You know, so you just can't take fitness out of it. Because I, I, I really deeply looked at that question. I thought, yeah, well, without fitness, and I thought, and it's interesting because obviously I've been here for a while, guys. Had COVID a couple of weeks ago, was yes. in isolation, so I had no fitness. Mm -hmm. That was driving me nuts. Mm -hmm. Soon as I got like. Um, out of isolation. I was in the gym. <laughs> you, yeah, you, you can't take fitness out of it. Like, you know, I think, you know, if you wanted to, you could switch the focus on those greater things, more personal development. For me, you know, my passion's music, so I could focus on that more. Getting out in the community. But no kidding, fitness would still be like that foundation you know, and, I, and that's something that I've really been not noticing recently as I get up, I go to the gym, get that done, get out of the way, clear head for the rest of the, for the rest of the day, able to focus, do the other things that I need to do, able to be more than 100% switched on at work, but also 100% switched on for other people and noticing the difference when fitness isn't as much of a priority. So, yeah, I think reality is, is no, you can't ask us that question. <laughs> yeah. All right, last question. <laughs> last question. All right. I live an incredibly low expectation life and I'm okay with it. Am I broken? Man, the fact that you're asking this question in the first instance uh, means that you're not okay with it. Yeah. Straight up. Yeah. Right? The fact that you are messaging Caleb and asking this question and you want us to dive into it in an episode of Your Four means you've probably settled for your current expectation of life and you're reasonably okay with how that's going, but you know deep down inside that there's more. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly how I would feel, you know. It's interesting that they've come and they've asked me this question and it's, uh, I want to say thanks for that. Mm -hmm. And also it, it means a lot because, you know, coming onto this podcast was, came on to be vulnerable and open and say, hey, you know, I haven't always lived this this life or, you know, what I talk about even on this podcast, that isn't always how I view things as well. Um, and I haven't ever opened open up about my age before, but I'm 28 years old mm. and I've lived that low expectation life and probably for 25 years of that life, man. You know, like how long have I been Massive Joe? It's about three and a half years. So even yeah. before then, so I know what that's like. And one of the first things you know, I want to, you know, just honor this person is admitting it to yourself 
is one of the greatest things you can do. Because he's asking, I'm living a low expectation life. He's admitted it. He's open now. He's asking now, am I broken? And I got to a point in my life when I realized when I asked, am I broken? That's when things started to change because you finally realized you just weren't happy with what you were doing. You realized there was more and you just didn't believe that the life and what you were living is what you, what you had, you know? Um, and then it became admitting it to others as well finding someone who I felt safe around to others and to admit that I'm broken so I could start to have some kind of accountability, not just myself. Mm -hmm. And from there, I realized something. If I want things to change, I need to make a change. I need to be willing to change and I need to be willing to embrace change. I think of, the, I've, I've, even though it's a younger, story, a younger story I had, my fitness journey, but really from the beginning, way, way back. And I still lived a low expectation life, but there was parts in my life where I was being able to embrace change, willing to make a change. I was 16 years old, man. And went to the doctor one day just for your doctor checkup, got on the scales and I weighed 98 kilos at 16. And the doctor went to me, he goes, in a couple of kilos, you'll be obese. And I thought, oh, I don't want to be obese. But my whole entire life, man, I kid you not, every single person picked on me every day. They called me fatty, all these kind of things. My whole family even just, you know, the family environment I grew up just said, you're going to be fat for the rest of your life. You're going to be miserable and fat for the rest of your life. That was what everyone always used to say and pick on me for. And I thought, no. I thought, no. Nah. No one knows what they're, no one knows, no one even knows how to help me lose weight, but I'm just going to do something about it. And that, that willingness to change sparked something. First off, we got a treadmill and I couldn't run very much, but I thought, you know, I didn't know much about health and fitness. I couldn't run, but I decided I was going to give it a go. And so I could run for a minute and I ran for a minute and then I walked for a minute. And that was all that I did during that time. Really just tiny little baby steps. You know what? Didn't see much. Then the next week I ran for two minutes, walked for two minutes, ran for two minutes, walked for two minutes. Kept doing that up until I could run for 10 minutes. Was starting to lose weight, wasn't doing looking too great. Then the treadmill broke. I went right back into this like, oh, here we go. What am I going to do now? I'm trying to get better, but it's like the universe doesn't want me to get better, man. Maybe I'm just, and I thought, no, I'm going to go for runs outside. I went for runs outside. I was seeing some change. And then all of a sudden, someone came to me and said, so I know that you've been trying to lose weight and you've been running and stuff. And well, I've just been offered a position at a gym and I've still got one month membership left over. Would you like that one month membership? And I said, yeah. And so I got into the gym and then I started losing more weight. And then I got my gym membership. And then I started losing until I went from 98 kilos to 70 kilos. That was the start of my health and fitness journey. And that was way, way for, I was only maybe like 18 at that point. But I went from, you know, going to a place of admitting it to myself, admitting it to others, putting something in action. And even when I came up against obstacles, just going, no, I'm going to keep going until eventually life made a way. So I think, you know, it's okay to admit that you're broken, but that's not who you're going to be. You're going to grow from that. You're going to be better. Um, and and you have to fight the environments that you're raised in. You know, you got to fight against everything and, and just and not conform. I think, as I've mentioned, taking it little by little. And then, of course, then having a greater vision and goals. But just 
just making that step and changing it and saying, no, enough is enough. Do not conform and just continue to push on and continue to fight for it, you know, but admitting that you're broken and then just saying, I'm going to make a change and putting a change and that it just puts itself into place. What along that journey, what happened to your expectations of your life? Oh, if they, yeah. They started I'll, I'll be, super I'll, low. Yep. Where they, are they now? Oh, they're inc- well, they're exceedingly high. You know, and I think about, you know, the reality is, is even though I got my health and fitness journey, then I mentioned that I've got into some pretty unfortunate relationships. Um, I went back. I went back into that low for a bit. But when I was ready to push out and fight out of it, I came out of it and pushed out of it. And I remember, um, you know, it was, there were just days it's just, I didn't believe I could do anything. Um, but I just continuously pushed. I remember when I was at that point, I was at this point where I was living in Melbourne and I had come to the point where I had no finances anymore. And I also had the relationship. I knew there was no love in that relationship. And I thought, well, this isn't the life, you know, I had a lot of harsh words spoken over me when I was young and, and some of them sometimes were like, you're going to die alone. So I had just settled for being with somebody so that that prophecy wasn't going to be fulfilled. But I said, no, I believe that there's more for me. And yeah, that definitely anchored again back into being able to change through my health and fitness goals. And it's pushing my expectations more because as you've mentioned before, I've done bodybuilding shows now and it's grown and it's grown and it's grown. And I'm at a place now that I've grown from that going, well, there's no way I'm ever, ever going back there. It's just up and up. And now it's also like, but it's not just up and up with me. It's up and up and I'm going to take heaps of people with me because they deserve better. Because I, it's not just about me living better. It's then just about living better so others can live better. So I can inspire and encourage them. That's the next level, man. That's the next level. When it comes to, thank you for that, Caleb. That was, <laughs> that was fucking great, man. Like really, really good. Guys, if, if you missed any of that, go back about five minutes and just listen to that story again. Listen to that journey that Caleb has been on again. Because I think it's really, really important uh, to hear that message that you just gave to all of the listeners. Well, thanks, man. I don't judge anybody, right? I know that, you know, some people are happy with living a mediocre life. Some people want more from life. Some people are just happy to kind of settle with where they're at and whatever. I don't judge. I don't give a fuck, right? You, it's your life. You do with it what you want. I have my personal beliefs about the human condition. And my personal belief is every single one of us is powerful beyond measure. and Every single one of us has the opportunity just by being born as a human being to achieve whatever we want to achieve, to have absolutely no limits on what we can achieve, and to want to live the best possible life that we can live. And often when I see people that have settled, because it is, it's settling for some sort of mediocre, whatever it is, mediocre health and fitness, mediocre relationship, mediocre finances, mediocre whatever, and they've settled for it. I 
often think that there's going to come a point in their life where they're going to go, fuck, why didn't I strive for more? Why didn't I at least try to excel in my health and fitness or excel in my personal relationships or excel in my finances? Or why didn't I just try? Because I think inherently as humans, we are designed to progress. Yeah. Right? We are designed to, I mean, you take, you, one, one of the unique things about being human is if we go and we invest time, effort, and energy in anything, we will get better at it. Yep. Agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Anything. anything. Whether, whether it's fitness, whether it's your career, whether it's relationships, something unique about being human is if we invest enough time, effort, and energy, we will get better. That is not by coincidence. That's because we are supposed to get better. Yes. <laughs> so if you're in a situation where any area of your life is mediocre, it's because you've settled for that, right? It's because you're not willing to invest the time, the effort, the energy. And you can justify it. I'm just going to be completely honest here, Caleb. You can justify it however the fuck you want to justify it. You can put any excuse you want in there. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the fact that you are not willing, for whatever reason, to invest the time, the effort, or the energy in getting better. I'm excited for the person who asked this question. Oh, me too. I'm excited for them because they've taken the first step. The first step is acknowledging that I live a low expectation in my life. By asking this question on this podcast, which is a personal development podcast, you're admitting that you're not happy with where you're at. Good for you. Because now you can start to take the steps to improve. And I can guarantee you, if you invest enough time, effort, and energy, you will improve in whatever, whatever area of life you want to improve. And it's, it's great because, you know, being able to reflect on that with my story is able to identify also something that is now something I drive each and every day is I noticed that, okay, I wasn't happy where I was at, but then I got content again. And so now every you day- settled. I settled. So now every day, it's my, my, more of my mind's focus to be like, I'm alive. I've got my day. My days are numbered. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make sure that if I'm alive and I'm breathing here today, that it's because it's, I still have to grow. I still have to get better. And that's the mentality now that I bring into it. And that will push you out of that place of wanting to settle and always strive for more. Something that, um, that Gary V said uh, years ago, um, but has, has stuck with me, the mathematical, statistical chance of becoming a human being. Have you heard this before? No, I haven't, no. So he, he, he did some research, and I don't even know if this is the right number, but whatever, it's Gary V. Um, the number that he said was 400 trillion to one. So practically impossible. I think that the, you know, pick whatever number you want. The chances of becoming a human being, if you think about, right, you got to go back to your parents' meeting, right? Yeah. At What are the chances of your parents, your mom and your dad meeting at some point? Practically impossible. And then you've got to go back another generation and your grandparents on each side meeting and having your parents. And then back, and you keep going and you keep going. The chances of becoming you, and living this life as a human being, as opposed to being a dog 
or a tree or a fucking butterfly or any other living creature is statistically impossible. You shouldn't be here. It's wow. a miracle yeah. that you are here. We all, yeah. I was going to say, it sounds like we're miracles, man, you know? So how dare you settle for less than what you're capable of? How dare you? That's all I got. I know. And like, that's, it's pretty confronting. Um, but then also it's, it's, it's a blessing, you know, like you, it's, it it's, gives it's you, both. it gives you that yeah. space of gratitude. Like, wow, that's, this is delight that like, this is, I get to live, yeah. you know, and the chances of me living and living this life, like, whoa. And from that place also of gratitude, that's just where so much flows, you know, hundred percent potential drive, the, the wanting to do better yeah. because you realize that this life almost isn't your life at all. Yeah. But it's hard as well, Caleb. Like, you know, it's, it's difficult. I say that, you know, it's inherent as, as being human beings that inherently we want to progress and we want to get better and we want to invest the time, the effort, the energy to get better, whatever it is we want to get better at. At the same time, as human beings, we are trying to survive. So we're always going to try, like just, just internally, we're going to seek out the comfortable option, right? Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. that's survival. So it's like this, this yin and yang of like on one side, I know that I, if I invest the time, the effort and the energy, I can get better at whatever it is I want to do. But at the same time, there's this inner voice that's saying, yeah, but just settle because it's easy <laughs> and it's survival. And, you know, why do you want to kind of push yourself outside of the comfort zone when one of the cool things about being human is you've got everything you need. So just chill the fuck out, man. You know, so it's difficult. It is. Right? It is. It's, it's, it's once again, it's this, this yin and yang. Yeah. It's always a driving to me is to be like, so I can leave a legacy behind you. Mm. 100%. Good. Good, good. I hope that answer helps the person that asks yeah. this question. I think it does. But I, I mean, you know, just by the fact that you're listening to this podcast and you're sending this question in, um, you've taken the first two steps. So, you know, just have the courage to take a few more um, and know for certain that you can achieve anything you want to achieve. Yeah, and, and even the same for other listeners. Um, you know, if there are those kind of questions that come onto your mind or to your heart, feel yeah. free to, to send them through. Send them through. Um, I love getting this vulnerable here for you guys and being open and honest and being able to share my life with you in, mm. in, in such levels. And I'm sure the listeners appreciate it. Caleb, I appreciate it. Thanks, Great man. to have you back. It's good to be I back. Did, I didn't mention at the start of the episode, the reason why we haven't done a year for is because you did get COVID <laughs> and you were in isolation for a couple of weeks. It kind of threw the whole schedule out, but, um, but it is good to have you back, man. Thank you very much uh, for being back on the show. Guys, you could have been anywhere in the world right now, but you're here with us. We appreciate that. Until next time, we'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode. We hope you enjoyed listening. A couple of things to round out. Firstly, if you've yet to subscribe to the Fitness Times Business Podcast on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure you do that right now so you don't miss any future episodes. Secondly, if you guys took some value from this episode, the one thing we ask in return is that you share the show. And finally, if you've yet to leave us a five-star rating, make sure you do that before the next episode.